Greetings, listeners, and welcome back to another installment of the Made in Wisconsin Family Podcast. Today, I'm continuing our special two-part series, diving deeper into the heart of our homeschooling journey. I am thrilled to be your guide as I unravel the layers of my life story, my testimony, and the profound experiences that ultimately shaped our family's decision to embark on the exhilarating path of In this episode, it's just not about our family only, it's about celebrating the diverse stories that weave together the rich tapestry of the homeschooling experience. So whether you're sipping on your favorite beverage or cozying up on your favorite spot, maybe you're even driving in the car, join me as we explore the pivotal moments that led to the decision of homeschooling in my story. This is the second episode of our special series. If you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to that first. Today, we're going to continue that conversation. Let's get started. Welcome back, guys. I'm excited to continue our conversation today. Last last episode, I really talked about my family life and growing up and kind of how that shaped who I am. In today's episode, I really want to dive into my story as an adult, as a mom, and how we really got started down this homeschool road. So when... Uh, my daughter was born, you know, um, obviously it was probably not the best time in my life. Um, but I really heard this clear voice of God kind of just telling me like, you know, I want what's best for you. You want what's best for this little girl. We need to make changes in your life. Um, and so throughout many different things, um, I ended up meeting my husband. We got married, um, when my daughter, um, was two we got married and moved to Wisconsin. And it it's just this beautiful story of like my husband becoming a dad and how he really took to that role really well. Um, for myself, I, I feel like maybe I had a little bit harder adjustment even than maybe both of them did. If that probably nobody even knows that. Um, kind of going from this place where, you know, I, I actually loved living in North Carolina. I love the weather. Um, you know, it was just, I liked the climate there. I liked the weather basically really was the weather. You know, I had a lot of friends. Um, and it was a hard, it was hard decision for me to leave. Um, but I did, I left that. I felt like God really wanted me to do that. I went home with my, I I moved back in with my parents and, um, then met my husband moved to Wisconsin and it, it was harder for me here. I, I didn't know anybody. Um, and my husband so graciously allowed me to stay at home with my daughter, um, for the first little while, just to make sure, you know, she's two, um, that she was getting situated here to life, that it wasn't, you know, it was okay. And, um, she, she seemed like she was doing fine. My oldest, if you know her, Avery is very go with the flow. She is a pretty laid back kid, you know, as far as like in general, you know, we've moved so many times and she's just very chill. Um, thankfully. So I, I started working full time. She was going to a babysitter. It just, I just had such a hard time. The job wasn't right for me. I tried something else that wasn't right. You know, by this time, you know, Eva's going to the daycare or even, you know, preschool. It, it just, I had a hard time adjusting. Um, and we decided not to have another child right away. We decided maybe we wouldn't even ever have another child. We would just have Avery. And 
obviously everybody knows I have two children now, so that didn't last. Um, that really when my daughter probably was in kindergarten was when I really started to notice, um, you know, Avery is a very happy, silly, lucky, you know, uh, um, happy go lucky, I guess I should say little girl. And in kindergarten, I remember her coming home and saying, mommy, I, I don't want to go to school, you know, like all oh, the teachers mean and you know, this and that. And okay. So nobody wants to hear that, but okay. You know, the teacher probably told her not to do something and she wanted to do it anyway. So the teachers mean, I mean, I really didn't, you know, it wasn't like I was thinking this teacher was a horrible human being. She just probably told her she couldn't do something she wanted to do. And there were just little things that I started to see that I noticed um, that I really didn't like. She would come home with sad faces on her paperwork. Um, she would come home crying and saying she didn't want to go to school. She didn't like the teacher. Friends or people were mean. And there was just little things that like, I, okay, I have a, I have a five-year-old crying and saying they don't want to go to school. And, and she was made to stay in from recess because she didn't get all of her work done. So my ADHD child who needs to get outside and play and move her body was not allowed to do that. So she's sitting in a classroom. You guys, it was a nightmare. I started to see that obviously something was going on on that this setup, this model was not right for this little girl, this five-year-old who at the time I didn't know had ADHD. And I even inquired, like I inquired at the school, like, Hey, you know, maybe my child has ADHD. Could we test her? And it was very kind of like blown off. Um, and so eventually we had our own testing done and it was very evident. And this was after we had decided to homeschool. So I was done with having my daughter, but first grade came and went, we were still having the same problems. I decided I'm done with this. Okay. I am going to now decide to homeschool. And we really had made it through first grade because I had had a baby. I had had Elissa. She's my second child. I had her and I just was overwhelmed. Okay. You know, when you go from one child to two, it's a whole change, probably from like two to three or two to four, probably is totally fine. When you go from that one kid to two, you're now divided your time between multiple children. And that is a learning curve in and of itself. So, you know, I, I talked to my husband and I said, you know, this just isn't working for her. That something's, it's just not working. And I, she hated reading, you know, like there were so many things that were going on. And I was like, I'm done. I'm going to try this homeschool thing. We had many other friends who had homeschooled from the beginning. And I decided we're going to get plugged into homeschooling. We're going to give it a try. Literally the first year, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And this was, so second grade, we've decided, okay, you know, we kind of went back and forth a couple of times um, with homeschooling. And, and by the time literally COVID came, it was 2019, I had put her back in school and I was like, nope, this is too hard. Literally super hard, right? Because people don't understand when you decide to homeschool, there's a whole transition. It's not just, okay, 
we're doing school at home. No, your life shifts. It's like when you get married. Okay, when you change up some big thing in your life, there's an adjustment period here. So I had to adjust to having my kids both home all day long. She had to adjust to doing work at home. You know, my husband had to adjust to me being a little bit overwhelmed. Um, It's just this whole learning curve. And that's why whenever you decide to homeschool, usually people start by telling you to de-school or to unschool because you need to get used to or change your thought process around what is school? Like, what is it? We, we have this whole model of school is only public education. We do X, Y, and Z in first grade. We do X, Y, and Z in second grade. If they don't read by the time they're in second grade, well, they're probably retarded. They need to go, you know, get some help. Well, that's not true either. Which we all know everybody learns at a different pace. But in public school, they don't have that choice. They are put into this box because they have to be, because they have a standard to meet. Because they're teaching, we have got one teacher, maybe with a helper, teaching 30 kids at one time. I don't want to teach 30 kids at one time in my life. I am more than happy to just teach my two. Teachers have a hard job. I couldn't do it even though I teach my child, but that's different. I love my child. It makes it a lot easier, but really COVID happened and we decided, okay, school shut down anyways. I'm not going to try to jump through the hoops of whatever school wants me to do at home. I'm going to homeschool because I understand that through homeschooling, my kids get, my kid can have a break when she needs it. My child can read what she wants. My kid can have a snack and, you know, use that as a math lesson. We can, we can, I can adjust things to fit her needs. And that was where a lot of people got it twisted during COVID to where they thought this whole model of bring your computer home and try to do work with the teacher still being a part of school was homeschooling. That was not homeschooling. Like, I know people think it was. It was not. That was survival school. That was the public education system trying to survive a pandemic and still meet their requirements. That's what that was. And that put a whole lot of stress on a whole lot of people, including the teachers, administrators, parents. I was not all about that. Which my daughter's very hard-headed. She likes to do what she wants. Now I know where she gets it from. Me. I like to do what I feel like I want to do, which is probably why her and I struggle the most, but because we are the most alike. But really through COVID, I got to see the beauty of education. You know, I started following um, a YouTuber who also homeschooled and really started seeing how she did education with her daughter. And we started doing unit study um, where we use the Magic Tree House books. And through doing this, I saw that not only was I meeting these typical requirements of what my child should know through this grade, but also I'm watching my daughter. Re- we're reading these stories and she's interested. She wants to know what's going to happen in the story. She wants to read it. She wants to know more about, okay, we're learning about polar bears and the Uh, you know, in the North Pole. Okay, where is the North Pole? So there's our geography. 
well, what's the climate like there? Okay, so we're learning geography, we're learning the social studies, we're kind of learning about the people who live there, we're learning about culture. We've tied in so many different things with this. And I thought, this is fantastic. This is so awesome. And throughout this journey, I realized that was kind of like my aha moment. I realized this works. She may not be learning everything she needs to know, you know, according to second grade standards for the state of Wisconsin and the district of, you know, where we live. But this is fantastic. She is enjoying what she's learning. You know, there are many homeschoolers out there who will tell you if your child and even in teachers, if the kid is turned off, it don't matter how much you tell them, they have not absorbed not a daggum thing. You can talk all day long. If the kid has zero interest, they are not going to retain it. They might have to study it for an hour when they go home so the next day they know it for the test, but then boom, it's gone. It, they've not retained that. I will, I will tell this story multiple times, and if you've heard it before, I apologize, but I remember in fourth, third grade, excuse me, it was third grade, and we did a unit or some kind of study about, you know, pilgrims, Native Americans, Thanksgiving, like I remember doing this. And in my classroom, you got to pull, you know, um, pull a name out of a hat kind of thing, and it decided whether you were going to be dressed up as a Native American or a pilgrim for our like big Thanksgiving dinner. And we had parents, volunteers, they brought in, you know, food and we dressed up and I got to be Native American and it was super fun. And we learned about, you know, their culture and what they did and that Native Americans, you know, they believed in, in using every single piece of animal so that they were respectful to that animal. You know, they gave thanks to that animal. They, they were not wasteful. You know, we learned all these things. And I remember that being so much fun. Why? I don't know, but I was interested in it. And I actually learned it. And I remembered it. And I remembered, you know, Columbus, Christopher Columbus, and the story of Christopher Columbus, not in the detail that I do know about him now. But I remember learning about that. And I remember how much fun it was. And do I remember probably a whole lot of other things from third grade? Nope, sure don't. Photosynthesis. Somewhere I was taught photosynthesis within all that. But like specifically, what do I remember from those certain grades? I have no clue. But I do remember that thing because it was super fun and I enjoyed it and I wanted to know about it. So I was more than happy to learn. That is what led me to into the beauty of homeschooling. Understanding this beautiful realm of education where a child comes alive and wants to learn about something. I didn't even know, you guys, so sad going to public school. I didn't even know like that that was possible. And I'll share something else with you. One thing that I think my husband was quite astonished when I told him, um, it's very unfortunate. And you know, like, People think, oh, I send my kids to public school. They know all these things. Like, that's fine. You know, we never talked about stuff at home. But I remember sitting in probably sophomore year of high school 
and we were talking about, um, we started talking about World War II. And you guys, history is, was never my thing. And I remembered sitting there and the teacher was talking about Schindler's List, the book. Um, and there was maybe some other, Anne Frank and, and the whole World War II and the Holocaust. And I remember thinking, what the heck is that? Now, the rest of you probably had the same reaction my husband did. What do you mean, what the heck was that? Yeah, at, at 15 years old, I had absolutely no clue about the Holocaust. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know about Hitler, Germany. I knew World War II was between, you know, Germany and Japan versus the United States. And, you know, like, but I didn't know what the Holocaust was. I didn't know that, like, millions of Jews, okay, were murdered by Hitler and the, the, the German government because they believed in this Aryan race, okay, of, of, of human beings. And so they carted up all the, the Jewish people that they could and started exterminating them. What the heck? I remember being angry. That like, literally, I didn't know about this. This is a huge part of history. And even, even world history. Not even just world history, but American history. Because we went to fought to liberate these people because this was a horrible atrocity in, in human history, in the, the history of mankind as a civilization. This was beyond evil. This was a horrible evil that was done. And I didn't have a clue. Didn't know anything. Not that it's appropriate for maybe to, to share the murdering of millions of people, including women and children and babies, with, you know, a fifth grader. But my gosh, you had thought at some point it would have came up before I got to sophomore, junior year of high school. There are some, there are some way, shape, or form the public education fails. And I think for some children, they thrive in it because they can toe the line and they can do the work. But for those of us who are a little bit neurodivergent, it's not a good model. And for everything else in this country that has evolved and changed, that is the one That is the one thing that has not. And I actually think it would probably be a whole lot better for us to go back to some kind of one-room schoolhouse kind of scenario situation. And that's what people don't understand. Like, well, Stephanie, how would that work? Well, maybe it wouldn't. But at least with, at least with homeschooling, I'm still setting up that kind of model with my children. I'm teaching them both about World War II. And I expect my daughter, my oldest, to be able to absorb more, obviously, than my first grader. My sixth grader can absorb more and give me more feedback and read more detailed books about it than my first grader can. But at least she knows that there was such a thing as called World War One, World War Two. But I can also make it enjoyable for them. And... If they want to go on to college, they have that option. And if they don't, 
that's fine too. But when they get old enough to decide that for themselves, when we get into high school, we can talk about it. We can have a conversation. What, what do you want to, what do you want to focus on? What do you think that you're interested in? How can I help you create this path to a future that you want? Because I don't want any limits on that. When I was little, I would have loved to have been an astronaut. If anybody knows me, I love space. I love all things outer space. I love to see the pictures from satellites. I'm interested. I like to know about the space station and all the things that are going on. In fifth grade, I had this awesome opportunity to go to space camp, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. What I have ever imagined by the time I hit middle school to pursue being an astronaut, no. Because it was made very clear to me that I was not smart enough to do so. I didn't have the confidence in myself to think that I could ever make that happen. It was very sad. Because maybe I would have never made it. But maybe I could have. And even if I wasn't an astronaut, maybe I still could have done something really cool and worked for NASA. Or had the opportunity to dive in more to science because I love science. And it's very interesting as we've studied a little bit more about science and the different um, scientists that there are. I noticed, we noticed as we read this book the other day that a lot of these scientists, okay, the whole like they have a hypothesis and then they try to work it out and then they start over again. Well, they're curious. They're very curious individuals, but not also that, but they each had this like very creative side to them, which if you study history, you'll know, you know, Benjamin Franklin, very curious. Um, some of these other Thomas Edison, you know, very curious. These, these individuals from our history, from our past that changed civilization for us in the United States, that changed how we work and live today, they were very curious human beings. But they all had like these, it, it said what they were, so that the book for the scientists, it said, I'm a scientist, and it told us different scientists and which ones they were, and then what their hobbies were. So they had this one guy who was a bio, biochemist, and he loved to paint. And there was somebody else, there was another one, and she loved, you know, ballet or dancing, and there was another one. And he really enjoyed composing music. And there was another one. And the other girl really liked, you know, like um, arts and crafts and kind of thing. And like, like all of these scientists I've noticed have some form of creative outlet that they, that, that, that was their hobby. It was very, it was just kind of astonishing to me to see, okay, you have these, these creative critical thinkers, okay, who also have this very creative outlet. I do not think public education leaves opportunity for creative outlet. Now, there are some schools that have phenomenal drama programs and really good art programs, but what is the first thing that they will cut is our music and our art programs. If, if there is money to be cut, that is where they cut. And if you will look at past People, there are a lot of people that you can take a look at. One of my favorite individuals who will speak about education is Sir Kenneth Robinson. Sir Kenneth Robinson is 
a, a an amazing speaker. His TED Talk on Do Schools Kill Creativity <clears throat> is probably one of the most watched TED Talks ever in the history of TED Talks. So if you are interested in watching a TED Talk about the importance of the arts and creativity in education, go watch that. I challenge you, please. It will not be a waste of your time, especially if you're a homeschooling parent or you're considering homeschool. Go watch the TED Talk by Sir Kenneth Robinson. Do schools kill creativity? It's phenomenal. This man is an educator and he is, he is sadly had passed, I believe he passed somewhere around COVID. Um, just a phenomenal thinker. Very funny. He's very funny to watch as well. But when I had this epiphany in my life that I could change the trajectory of potentially my children's future by not putting boundaries on them and allowing them to see that they can do and be whatever they want, that was when my heart was set on homeschooling. When I watched my daughter go from hating reading to loving it, my child has the stamina, my ADHD child, whom I love so much, she can read more than I can. I do not have the stamina to read. I couldn't handle it. I hated reading. I literally loathed it. I, I still can't handle reading some things. I have to listen to audiobooks, you guys. I can't do, I can't sit and read a book. I don't think ever in my life, and I'm not kidding you, as an adult, I, I feel like I, I, I'm about 99% sure I have ADHD as well. I have never sat down and read an entire book I cannot do it. And you say, Stephanie, just go sit down and read a book. No, you don't understand. I can't. It's sad. It's very sad for me to say that and admit it to whomever listens to this. I can't do it. I don't have the stamina to read like that. I can listen to a book. I could listen to 18 hours of a book. No problem. I can drive in the car. I can clean my house. I have to be moving. I feel like I am wasting time and my body will not allow me to sit down and read a book because it just won't. I don't understand. It just won't. But I'm so proud of my daughter who I watched have the same problem that I did to now loving stories and we've built up her stamina for reading and she's continuing to do so the older she gets. You know, she did go to school last year. We tried to change up life. It didn't work. We keep coming back to the same model. So we're going to stop screwing it up, I guess I should say. Um, and last year, I remembered one of her teachers saying, um, you can't read that book. It's not within your AR reading level. I don't know. I thought reading was reading. But, you know, she needs bigger words, apparently. She needs a longer, longer chapters. I don't know. The child loves reading graphic novels, but she will also sit down and read a chapter book. I don't, it makes no sense to me. I don't care what she's reading as far as is it's clean and appropriate. I don't care if it's a graphic novel where it's got, you know, four words on the picture and then tomorrow she goes and reads the whole Harry Potter series. What does it matter? She's reading. As an adult, you don't go to the bookstore or the library and they say, excuse me, um, you're 36 years old. Okay. Um, a 36 years old, here's the AR appropriate 
3D level for you. <laughs> Even in college, dude, nobody cares, okay? I'm sorry if you're a teacher and you're listening to this and you're mad about the whole thing. Listen, nobody cares. And maybe it's this model where you've tried to help children with their stamina and build up their stamina for reading and like, I get it. But dude, nobody cares, okay? Parents don't care. Like literally somebody told their kid the other day like, oh, well, she 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 wants to read the next book in the series, but she's got to wait till next semester. So it counts for her AR reading. What? <laughs> Let the kid read the book if she wants to read the book. Oh my gosh. You guys, I hope that you've enjoyed my, me sharing my story. I'm sorry if it's a little all over the place. I try to always be real with you guys and let you know, you know, here, I'm going to be as transparent as possible. I am so glad that you took a moment out of your day to listen to me. As always, guys, thank you for listening to the Maine Wisconsin Family Podcast. Feel free to write a review for me over there on iTunes or Spotify. It really helps me get noticed. And if you like this chat, share it with a friend. Um, I'd love to encourage you guys and provide you with resources to help you on your homeschooling journey, and even give you some parenting tips now and then. I'm excited for some future episodes that we have coming up with some of my guests, including some family members, and we're going to chat about some really awesome things. So I'm excited for that, and I look forward to getting to share all of these things with you guys. Again, as always, thank you for your support, and I'll see you next time.